Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we conclude our study of the book of Jude with verses 20 to 25. Verses 20 to 23 reads, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Jude ends in verses 24 and 25 with one of the greatest benedictions or doxologies found in the New Testament. Please listen to Pastor Scott Basolo as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, Your Necessary Spiritual Circle. That takes us to our second point and our next verses. And I've titled this next point, Provide Resuscitation. Provide Resuscitation. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Jude with me. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Resuscitation means bringing back to life that which is dead. And this is just what these verses are referencing. Three separate groups are to be the recipients of our resuscitation efforts in these two verses. The first thing we are to do is to have mercy in verse 21. This imperative verb indicates that this is a command. It is not an optional action, but it is one that is required of every believer. Mercy is compassion and sympathy. It is pity generated by seeing the afflictions and suffering of another person. It is the reverse of grace. Grace is receiving what is undeserved or often called unmerited favor. Mercy is not receiving what is deserved. Christ has mercy on us by not giving the punishment deserved for our sin. But in like fashion, instead of offering that, he gives us his righteousness in exchange for that sin, which is grace. Those to whom this mercy is to be shown are those that are doubting. Who are the doubters? Hebert identifies these as the ones who are victims of apostasy. These are the ones who are doubting the truth of God and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. These are the ones who are doubting the work of the church. These are the ones who are doubting the authority of the elder and the truth of God's word, that the elders are God's given representatives and authoritative actors on his behalf in the church to whom he will hold responsible. They've not come to a settled knowledge of Jesus Christ so as to be saved, but have waffled and sat on the fence. Should they be doubting? No, no one should doubt who God is and what he's done because he has made the truth of himself evident in every man. 
Romans 1.18 tells us this. The word doubting is translated in verse 9 of Jude as disputing. And a strong argument could be made hermeneutically to use the same term here, to have mercy on some who are disputing. The meaning of our assignment is unchanged, but a greater emphasis is placed upon their contrary perspective and thus increases our responsibility in the command to show mercy. It is not what they deserve, but it's what we must extend. That is to, be, that is to recognize the desperate condition of their plight and to extend care to them. It's not accidental that this command immediately follows the statement in verse 21 showing the immeasurable mercy of receiving eternal life in Christ Jesus. Oh, I don't want to show mercy. Well, what have you been given? The most glorious mercy of all time in eternal life in Christ. Something exactly the opposite of what we're deserving in our sin. And this letter has emphasized mercy from the beginning. Back in verse 2 in Jude's greeting, he greets this group in this church with mercy, peace, and love. Interestingly, every Pauline epistle, as eternally attested, every Petrine epistle, 2 John and Revelation, all use grace and peace. But Jude has done something very specific here by including mercy, by including that special gift of not receiving what we deserve. And the statement is directly focused on the application in these two verses. And so we are commanded to show these doubters mercy. This is the first aspect of providing resuscitation. The next resuscitation effort is to save others, snatching them out of the fire. Here we have our second group, and they are much worse than the doubters. These must be saved, showing that their doom is imminent. The word saved is a referencing a work of salvation that can be done ultimately by God alone. And yet it is applied to us. And not just applied to us, but stated as an imperative command that we must obey. The action of snatching them out of the picture, out of the, the scene, is a, is a picture of a sudden and even a violent action of snatching. We might picture the same situation with a father jerking his son out of the way of certain peril as he steps in front of an oncoming bus. A violent pulling him out of that way. This is the action that's portrayed for us in these verses. And the condition of this second group is desperate indeed. These are the ones that are already exposed to the fire. Not yet in it, such that they can still be saved. We're not told what the fire is specifically, but as one commentator notes, it is a common proverbial statement from Scripture, as could be associated with Zechariah 3.2. It could be associated with Lot and his being snatched out of Sodom before the fire and brimstone destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, or even the lake of fire. Eternal separation from God in the judgment and fire of hell is clearly what's being pictured here. The third group at the end of verse 23 are the most severe. These two are to be shown mercy. The repeated imperative verb command from verse 22, again, they are not to receive what they deserve. Particularly, they are to be shown compassion rather than the tendency for these who are the most hard-hearted and difficult and the tendency which might be to scorn or to gloat over their decisions and that they have rejected the truth and thus they are deserving of punishment. We might consider uh, politicians from uh, a long state 
to our west with a high population near the coast that will remain unnamed. And some politicians from that state, which we as conservative individuals may not love and which will remain unnamed. And yet this is exactly the ones who rather than saying, oh, all the decisions you've done, all the things you've torn apart, all the bad laws and everything else, you should be judged. No. No, we are commanded for these who might be the most difficult to show mercy, to show love, to show compassion and pity if they would but come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And thus when we pay, pray for our president, when we pray for these elected officials, we plead with earnestness that God would bring them new life. And with that, we're again drawn to verse 20. And the mercy which each believer is shown as opposed to the punishment which, which we all deserve. However, this mercy is to be exercised with fear. The reason for the fear is what occurs in the remainder of the verse. Namely, because of their garments polluted by the flesh which are to be hated. Very interesting construction and often misunderstood. The word garment is something that is often translated as tunic, and it is the seamless inner garment that is worn against the skin in the ancient world. The pollution or the staining is conveyed to us via a perfect verb, which is showing us that this is a past tense action that is ongoing, and thus it is an irremovable stain that is upon this garment. The defiled garments here are a picture of sin's effect upon the very body and soul of the individual. The phrases used are of some of the most graphic conceivable in the scriptures. And we see similar phrases in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 64, 6, regarding our righteous deeds as filthy rags. And were we to wear such garments, were they to be adjacent to our flesh, that rottenness would begin to penetrate and permeate our flesh. And this is the picture that's being conveyed for us here. James 3, 6 is the only other place in Scripture that this word occurs, and it conveys the same idea, where James says, and the tongue is a fire the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets, the fire, sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Those words that we speak, and I'm like, where do they come from? How can such things come out of my mouth? One whom Christ has saved and delivered and whom the old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. And yet this comes out. This defilement. The fear to be exercised with mercy is caused by hating of the condition of the polluted garments. This is very important to understand. And it's indicating for us that it is not a malicious or antagonistic attitude towards the individual, but rather an aversion and a loathing of the condition of sin. Thus the hatred is towards the sin and not towards the one sinning. This is such an important recognition because these lines become blurred for us. And we see that one is openly sinning and living contrary to God and mocking all that we believe. And we begin to translate the hate that is supposed to be on the sin to the individual. And that's not right. That's not how we must live. Thus, the hatred is again towards the sin and not the one sinning. And such an important recognition. These individuals are enslaved to sin, just as every man was before salvation. And thus must be shown mercy. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.